Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Fan First podcast. I absolutely don't know what I'm doing, uh, but it's been a long-term dream of mine to talk about sport. Uh, firstly, absolutely love to talk, and uh, absolutely love to talk about sport. Interestingly, the first person that's come on the podcast is a friend who I had said many many years back that when we do something, or we wanted to do this together. So it is only fair that I have Avinash on the first podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Saurabh. Thank you so much for having me over. Firstly, uh, really, really, really happy to work with you on this. And yes, as you quite rightly said, um, uh, you know we've been talking about this for years, and I'm so glad that we finally put this together. Uh, just like you, I love to talk. and i do keep talking as well so may i put the energy um uh, you know channel this energy into this uh, podcast of yours and uh, yeah really really looking forward to it buddy and where better to start both of us love manchester united i just need to warn people who would listen to this though this podcast is not going to be a man united only podcast and a lot of people that will come here hopefully would be people that are fans just like you and me. Yeah. I think my ambition behind the Fan First podcast is taking something that I love doing which we've mentioned already is to talk and debate and argue about sport the way we do. Uh but a lovely place to start is Manchester United because both you and I have been supporting Manchester United for the very for the longest of the time. Yeah. And it seems to be like we've turned the page. Uh <laughs> it's been long coming uh i think i would have personally been very depressed had i started the podcast maybe anywhere in the last 5 7 years the way we've been playing imagine last year <laughs> <laughs> uh so one of the first things uh not the first thing so so the so the thing that we're going to tackle in this podcast is why has man united done well this season uh and i was actually thinking when i planned this is to ask the question have we actually done well but then we are also recording this a day after our first trophy in five and a half years fantastic win against newcastle yesterday yeah. so i think it's pretty clear there are no doubts that man united are doing well have done well this season if it was very simple answer a three word answer to that question would have been eric ten hag absolutely i was you know just playing that in my mind right now the boss yeah and you have to look at i mean he's coming at a very difficult time because united's job has felt increasingly difficult for anyone to take over the kind of managers we've had since fergie left yeah david moyes came in and at that point of time fergie picked him everyone backed him then came along louis van hal and we thought his international pedigree and yeah. where he's come from and all of the things he's done would be i mean he was successful at barcelona yeah, yeah he, he was. was successful as a dutch manager so uh bless him he came on the back of a world cup final if yeah. i'm not wrong yeah uh then came jose you're a big <laughs> fan and we'll speak about jose at we some were. time yeah uh 
I am. Let's not get into Jose right now. We'll really, really get into yeah. that. I'm, I'm tempted to say something, but I'm just not. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, and then came along Solskjaer, and Solskjaer is probably, I would say, success is very difficult because at a club like Manchester United, success means you win something. Yeah, true. Uh, you don't come second. You don't lose finals. Unfortunately, Solskjaer lost. That was a bad one. That was really a bad one. That final. I mean, uh, winning breeds winning. Yeah. So I think if had I'm not saying that he would be he would have been in the job, but I'm saying had he won that Europa, it changes the entire you know dynamics. And I feel that's where Ten Hag's job when he walked into the club this summer was toughest for, out of all of the managers that have been at the club. I think what happened last year after Solskjaer. The experiment that we had with Ralph Ragnick for Eric Ten Hag to take over, so many things not being right. I mean, our game just being out of the place, no identity, not having a proper structure at the club. We had obviously players who didn't want to be there. The wage structure was completely out of place. Like you could name twenty problems, <laughs> yeah. which I think some of Ten Hag's predecessors might not have had. Yeah. Uh, I think most of 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 all of the managers who've been at the club, I feel we never really thought this would take ten years no. to rectify after yeah. Sir Alex went. So I think after Moes, it was always tough. I felt for the first time after Moes left, last few months of David Moes were really bad. Really and bad. I think we were, as Manchester United fans, so used to Sir Alex Ferguson. We were spoiled. Correct. <laughs> being able to just win in spite of whatever was thrown at him. It was the first time under David Moes we truly realized, wow, we're not in the top four, we're seventh, eighth. I don't even remember where did we finish. But I think at that time we still never understood fully how bad the club was run behind the scenes. I think as managers have come and gone, which I'm not a fan of, uh, but unfortunately the result-driven business, especially at a club like Manchester United, where your commercial success is dependent on what you do on the pitch. Uh, so as managers have come, we've just realized this is not at, not as easy, and that's where I'm saying that where Ten Hag has come in this year, it was probably the worst yeah. time in the last 10 years and exactly. I've got numbers to back this because last year if you just look at it mm -hmm. in the Premier League mm -hmm. 16 wins out of 38 <laughs> 12 defeats we finished 13 points outside the top four I'm not saying 13 points out of the team <laughs> that won the league 13 points out of the top we finished on 58 points Spurs who finished fourth ended up with 71 points some of the games last season, 5-0 defeat at home to Liverpool, 2-0 defeat to Man City. For me, I mean, if you're an Indian Manchester United yeah, fan, the 5-0 yeah. at Old Trafford against Liverpool was bad because India lost to Pakistan. That was the game, I remember. <laughs> that was really we were, bad. We were, we were texting. Yeah. For me, the 2-0 against City at home just felt like... City were in third gear throughout. Mm. They didn't even have exactly. to push themselves. You know, I was um, with another uh, good friend of mine and we were at uh, the T20 World Cup was on, obviously. And we were in Sharjah watching the match. We, we had already booked the tickets, but, you know, at the same time, the game is going on and we were on IPTV watching it on our phone. 
believe me, Saurabh, there was nothing that we saw, any anything. And as you quite rightly said, City were on third gear. I, I just thought that City were taking, you know, just taking the mickey out of us. Were they, it looked like we invited them to, to Carrington to, you know, to, to have a training session with yeah. us. And that's what they did. And, and then the same thing, we lost 4-1 away at the Etihad. Again, that 4-0 at Anfield towards the end of the season felt very, very bad. I mean, those were game, games where I just felt hopeless. And probably at that time, last season, I might have probably looked at, you know, even thought, sort of feeling a little out of love. Mm. Uh, I would never not watch a Manchester United game. I That's know. just unacceptable yeah. Yeah. in my mind, yeah. no matter uh, where you are. But... Those games were tough, yeah. and but it is it it wasn't just against the big teams. I mean, we lost three one at Arsenal. I remember Bruno missed a penalty, so uh, you score that it could have been a different game. We lost four 0 at Brighton. We conceded four goals at Watford, who now play in the Championship. We conceded four goals against Leicester. Uh, and we had defeats at Palace, at Wolves, at Everton. It was a season which was full of inconsistencies. Talk about our cup run. FA Cup. We're out in the fourth round at the hands of a championship side. Yeah. We're out of the League Cup in the third round against West Ham. Yeah. Uh, and we all remember that round of 16 defeat in the Champions League and at the hands of Atletico where... Atletico were just themselves. Uh, I wouldn't take so much in that game. I think Atletico was always going to be tough. Uh, but you look at rest of the season. This is why I'm saying that when Eric Ten Hag has walked into the club, he's come on the back of a season that is... I just cannot find the words the to explain. It was the toughest, yeah. We sacked the manager, had a caretaker boss or interim manager as the club called called him for not three weeks, not four weeks, <laughs> for six weeks, uh, so for six months. Six months. Yeah. Uh, and then he was supposed to take up a role. So it's a yeah. long-term plan, which yeah. now we have the benefit of hindsight, but that never worked out. And that's where I feel that Manchester United are doing well, extremely yeah. well. Uh, and I don't want to sound cocky because I'm a Manchester United fan that did, that they're doing extremely well. But nobody thought Ten Hag would be where we are no, right no now. No, no one. Even Andy Mitten said it that Ten Hag is overachieving with this United squad. Uh, and I was just having a chat with my friend, and I was telling a rival fan, he's um, a Liverpool fan, and I said, "Tell me one thing that was when Ten Hag was hired." What was the one thing where, 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 which was easy for him? He had everything that could go, you know, against him. Uh, at the start, you had you had some players who were toxic for the club. There were some players who were were, were not retained. We got let, you know, the likes of Pogba had gone, Lingard had gone, uh, Matic was done. You know, all of them. Um, Matter, unfortunately, no, no, Matter is an absolute uh, gem of a guy, but uh, it was towards the end. We had to let him go. So there were quite a few names that had gone. Yeah. And, and I think that's where we we just have to look at what are these factors that that has led Ten Hag to uh, arrive at this early success that we are saying. And that is probably the answer to our question yeah. is why has Manchester United done well? So we've obviously credited Ten Hag to that, but let's look at some of the factors. 
and <laughs> signings at i mean yeah. manchester united and our transfers uh, has been such a love hate relationship for again since fogi left uh, it would be unfair to say that we've not spent money we've spent i think we've also spent money on players that i think were much better than what they actually turned out yeah. uh, you know for the club but you cannot look past the fact that every single player that ten hag has bought in this year has done exceedingly well already absolutely the yeah. only time i remember seeing this was when bruno came to the club 3 years back that pandemic hit here when he came in january or he came just before the pandemic uh, and then football was off for a few months when bruno came in bruno had that impact and we saw finally we've got a player who we're not saying yeah. is going to take a take a while to you know yeah. find his feet uh and they've they've you've seen clubs do that van dyke at liverpool a january signing yeah. personally for me i haven't seen a signing like van dyke mm. that has impacted probably robin van persie comes to my mind one signing when he yeah. moved from arsenal to manchester united it really changed the landscape for us we won that 20th league title but van dyke was he literally transformed them i wouldn't say bruno had the same impact but bruno had a significant impact yeah. and manchester united finishing third that year and shoulshar actually keeping his job uh uh that season was down to the fact that bruno came in and bruno actually hit the ground running look at this year eric ten hag signings <laughs> uh i would probably say personally for me anthony aside i know he's young he's come from a different league he comes from a different culture i'm not saying that he's not going to be the signing and he'll always have the weight of the price tag on his shoulders yeah uh i do believe that a coach like ten hag would get the best out of him i think he will but i mean you but know but apart from him and i'm not saying he's been a flop or he's been bad i i do believe that he needs he needs time he's got age on his side and he would really second season third season you would really start to see you know the best of him but apart mm-hmm. from him licha martinez outstanding outstanding where do we even start talking you know, about it he embodies everything what manchester united is all about never give up never give in passion you know the uh, even that game against arsenal which he scored that header he was injured he had a head injury and he and he put his head out and he scored with that yeah man that really speaks volumes about the man i think what makes leecha even more special is the fact that so many people wrote him off <laughs> even before his first game uh and i think maybe they they were right and he was caught out in some of the games that brentford game i think man city targeted him in that 6-3 defeat uh but that 6-3 was a collective failure i think we were outran in the midfield yeah. uh so you can't really you know blame him for things but i think what he's done so far he's already answered back every single person who said he's 5 feet 6 and he can't play in the premier league where is jamie carragher come on jamie carragher i just want to talk Well, well, we all we all would love to, and I think he would be hiding somewhere, especially after uh, United having well, won. Well, he finally, sorry, I mean, he finally apologized on the overlap. He said, uh, he said, he said, I understand, I agree, I admit it that he's been brilliant this season, and yeah, 
He's got nothing more to say now. Yep. Moving on to the midfield, uh, we've got we've had a new central midfield pair this year. I think which was long overdue. Uh, Casemiro, uh, another player. I don't know where to start. Uh, and let's just sort of put this into context, right? Casemiro has won everything at Real Madrid. I mean, everything at the highest level is what I mean. Uh, he's won what four Champions Leagues. Yeah. Uh, He's won, I even don't know the numbers on this, but he's won, I'm sure, a couple or more than that La Liga titles. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple other cup tournaments that he's won in Spain. But I think for any player, four Champions Leagues is just (laughs) crazy. And maybe I do owe him an apology as well, because I felt United were never in in for him. is what I got the feeling at that point in time. The one name that we kept hearing throughout the summer was uh, Frankie de Jong. And I felt that when it was clear that Barcelona were not going to sell Frankie or Frankie didn't want to move, whatever was the case, United quickly switched gears and moved their mind towards Casemiro. And at that point in time, it looked like a player who might have been past his peak, who's won it all. Uh, 60 million price tag might have looked a bit much. I'm not saying a bit much, but it definitely looked uh, as as a desperation because I think by then uh, the Brentford game had already happened, and now we hear stories that he said I'll fix yeah. the club, which is just fantastic because he's come and fixed it. But I put Casemiro in the same bracket as I spoke about Van Dyke. Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, you can put numbers and stats and and you know things like that, but he's won five man of the matches. Uh, across all the games we've played uh, and that just tells you the kind of impact that he's had on the club but uh, how do you see Casemiro having an impact in a league which is so different to where he's come from how has that happened you know first and foremost is he's got that Brazilian heart you know you know that that, that mentality and uh, I just read this. Apparently, after every game, he pulls out his own stats and he's very obsessed about his own stats in terms of how many tackles has he done, how many interceptions, how many passes. He does that for every game. And you could just speak about, you know, the relentless, you know, the desire that he has to win. I was just, um, uh, you know, watching his celebration of lifting the Carabao Cup. This is a man who's won everything in Europe, everything in Spain, and he lifts the Carabao Cup like it's his first. Same thing goes to Rafael Varane as well. Is that the kind? I mean, do you do you reckon that's that's a mentality that we need? I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a fantastic player. Uh, he's clearly experienced and things like that. But do you think for somebody like him, it's his mindset, yeah. the experience, and having won it all? Is that what we're seeing really at the club yeah. now? To me, he's the closest to Roy Keane. You know, in terms of, I would say probably he's got a couple of other couple of skills which is probably would overtake Roy. Uh, uh, I mean, look, Roy is a leader. Roy is, uh, you know, he is a fighter. But what I'm just trying to say is Casemiro has got, you know, the technical ability as well. It's just not about going and tackling your opponent, reading between the lines and, you know, distributing it to your front, uh, you know, to your attacking players. Yeah. But he also assists 
and he's got like unbelievable vision. I think his range of passing. I was saying this Amazing. to somebody. When I look at Casemiro playing, right? When he has the ball in the center of the park, the pass that he often makes is a pass that I don't think he's going to make. So as a fan, yeah, when I watch him, correct. I see players next to him. I think, okay, that's just this most simple thing to move the ball. But he does something completely else. Yeah. And the other thing that stands out with him is how easily can he win a ball back? Yeah. And what Luke Shaw said this, right? That he gives the ball away just so he can win it back. Yeah. But I genuinely haven't seen another central midfielder that can win the ball back in the Premier League as easily as he does. Yeah. And that's just something which has been uh, lacking at the club. But more importantly, such a big thing for the Ten Hag game is to win that ball up in those situations because i still feel and i agree to what gary neville said on the overlap united don't need to be this team where they're doing you know like they have to control the games and pass and pass and pass and do all of that i think united's fabric is we were a very good counter attacking team all the time and i don't see anything bad you know since pep and the clubs have come to the premier league yeah I admire their style of play, yeah. but I really don't think there's anything wrong, especially away from home, uh, you know, to be able to win the ball high up, high up the pitch or in the center of the park. And rather than building the game constantly, you've got players who can literally, run, I mean, run really fast and you know, just, 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 just score those goals for you. And I think he's such an important play, uh, you know, a player on both sides of those pitch because uh, defensively he's solid yeah <laughs> but he's got that ability to really have the, you know make that pass or uh, play that ball that's going to get you that goal as well so uh, i mean for me he's outstanding i think you know when yeah. he walked when he walked into the club he was one of the best defensive midfield players in the world but the question was can he do it in england yep I think he has absolutely oh. shut them up when there's uh, with with the likes of your parties and the Rodri's of this world. I think there's no comparison at all. I think there is no comparison. Yeah. And I think the other signings as well, Christian Eriksen, I think we've missed Eriksen. We've really realized his value yeah. since he got injured. Yeah. Sometimes when you look at him, you feel, uh, you know, he can't last the whole 90 minutes. Uh, and there's other aspects to his game that might not be so pleasing on the eye. Mm -hmm. But uh, with all due respect to Fred, uh, you never really know which Fred is going to turn up <laughs> to a game. Yeah. Uh, so that bit of consistency in, you know, uh, being able to have that player who, again, can play that pass, can really change the game uh, with one move and, you know, has that ability. And I think Christian Eriksen's dead ball ability has oh. been fantastic as well. And we've seen Brilliant. that. He's somebody, again, who's one of few man of the matches. But more than that, I think he's had seven assists yep. in seven the Premier assists. League. So he's third on the list yep. list behind uh, De Bruyne and uh, Saka. Yep. Uh, and he's not played the last three or four games. Yep. Bruno is, 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 is fourth on the list. Yep. So it's good to see two central <laughs> midfielders yep. at Manchester United. First team players. Yes. You know, on that list. Then you've got Anthony. We spoke about Anthony. Uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm just going to take you back a little yep. bit to uh, Ericsson. What 
he is he had been through or he had gone through with his you know with his health care and for him to even play was first of all pleasing on the eye for everyone in the world uh, i think i think he's he never had any haters even before but i think because he always yeah you know looked as an absolute down to earth bloke yeah uh, and um for him to play these many games we you know we were just initially at the start of the season we were like what has tenak fed him because he's like i mean he's been played like he's been played like 90 minutes how many games back yeah. to back back to back games yeah. unbelievable no absolutely absolutely and i mean the story that he has the world wants the best for yeah. him yeah i'm just glad he's come to manchester That's united it, exactly uh, and uh, Look, Spurs didn't give him a trophy. We have. Do they give it to anyone? Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, sorry, uh, didn't mean to intend oh, sorry. any uh, disrespect to Spurs, Spurs oh, fans, but uh, uh, yeah. it just happens naturally sometimes. Uh, yeah, and then sort of, I I was going on to Anthony. Uh, Anthony can be a frustrating player sometimes, but that's his age. That's yeah. his background. His culture. I think he's the kind of a guy who wants to dazzle the stage. Yeah. And it's understandable. It is. And he said it in one of his interview that uh no food to eat or you know, to put yeah, food yeah. on a plate. I, I read that. Uh, yeah. Uh, right. Was a big thing and to come from that thing. background uh and we know culturally it's just a very different thing and I just think that the media in UK or England are not forgiving towards people who come from a different background or culture i think the understanding that that is there about what is expected or not expected of a player that comes from a different background does not really take into account uh, a full picture yeah. for that player and where he comes from yeah right and uh, i think ten hag has shown every single thing for us to believe and there's a manager that can really bring the best out of anthony uh i think he will yeah. uh we yeah. just need to be a bit patient and price tags don't do justice to anyone and i know when we talk to rival fans and you know yeah. there's a bit of banter all the time always yeah uh if you ask me is he worth 90 million pounds no at this stage no, no. he's not Yeah, and it's not his fault that that's the price right? right that's the world of football that we live right. in now right yeah. uh but can he become the player that he's been bought at manchester united can he fit? i think he can yeah and that's really the the conversation that we need to have because if he was 60 million or 90 it's you know the price tag's gone now yeah. and i hope i mean i'm 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 quite sure he looks at it that way and yeah. ten hag looks at it that yeah, way as course. well and then did we sign anyone else in the summer or have i covered it we've most? got uh, yeah we've got so we got malasia correct tyrell malasia how did i forget him because i think he's been again one of the and since we're talking about ten hag and the impact and why man united have done well is is down to the fact that when players have been called upon to do a job they have done a job and yeah. malasia is that player yeah. luke shaw had a shaky start came in played some really big games um done his job even yeah. i mean the games that he's played over the last month or so when luke shaw has been i think luke shaw is now the best left back in the premier league Easily. without a doubt hands down hands down uh and 
I cannot be happier for Luke Shaw for what he's gone through. He's gone through everything. I'm gonna bring in, <laughs> and you know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. And I and and I and I absolutely even didn't agree with it then. But when, when uh, Jose uh, gave him a hard time, uh, I felt really bad for I'm Luke Shaw. Uh, bad from a point of view that. I think Luke Shaw always put his head down and did his job. He's Amazing. not one of those players where, uh, you know, he was he he wanted to be at the club. I think the injury that he had yeah. would have left some scars. Yeah. And uh, that was I a never, bad one. That injury was a bad one. Like, I never really understood that. Jose's uh, thinking with him because that would have really broken a player. Yeah. And thank God it didn't, because it didn't. I cannot think of a team now that does not have Luke Shaw. He would have let him go if he was there. I mean, for him as well. Like, I mean, we're talking about uh, players who've come in and done a job. Luke Shaw's done a fantastic job at centre back. Yeah. Personally, for me, I think Luke Shaw's value at left back is immense because we saw that yesterday. Yeah. When he can ping those balls, and now. I mean, Vegos is yet to do yeah. that, but we've got a a tall uh, number nine, a striker yeah. in the box uh, who can hopefully head the ball. We've not seen it yet, but hopefully <laughs> that happens. But Marcus Rashford uh, uh, can do that, and there's players across the team that can get onto that ball and yeah. get us a goal. Casemiro did it, correct? Uh, and that's where I feel Luke Shaw playing as a centre-back is not my first choice. But I do understand that Ten Hag absolutely wants a left-footed ball-playing centre-back. Yeah. Because he's, he's also, you know, he's also technical and he's also physical. And at the same time, he's, he's as centre-back, he can, he is very, I wouldn't say he's probably, he's, he's you know, he's, he's not a natural. But what his ability is to read the game and he's quite brilliant at it and he's technically really good at it which is why it's quite clear that why yeah. Ten Hag play, uh, played him uh, even against City. Ten Hag's trying to make a point to the rest of the media that if you thought a short player can't play at centre-back, <laughs> here you go, yeah. when I don't have Martinez, I'm going to put Luke Shaw in there, who's not clearly six feet tall, yeah. uh, but look he's done fantastic. But going back to Malaysia, I think that's this is what I'm talking about, the signings that you yeah. cannot, even with Anthony, I don't think there's any signing that you can say is that, why have the club signed him or I don't understand this signing or what's going on. Yeah. Even with uh, people will be split about Wout Weghorst. Uh, and obviously, he wasn't the first choice in January, but the way the club, uh, you know, where the club was placed in Jan. We weren't able to sign players. We've just done loan deals. Uh, God knows what happened with Gakpo. Uh, I think it felt like we were always going to get him, but we didn't. Uh, but I think Veghost is another of those players. We spoke about mentality and Ten Hag being so clear on the type of players that he wants at the club. Uh, people might not like this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Wout Veghost Weghorst stays at the club next year. I want him to, you know, because I mean, yeah, he you, might not. You've start. got some numbers on him. Yeah. Please, can you enlighten us? You know, Weghorst averages 2.18 tackles plus interceptions and 5.2 ball recoveries, which is ranks 
number one as a center forward in all competitions. And he's been at the club for a month, yeah, a little a over month, a month. Oh, no, a not month, even a month because he didn't join the first week of January. With all due respect to Martial, look, Martial is technically He's gone brilliant. though now. He's, I don't, he's can't done. see him being I don't the club so. beyond and, but, but of course, Martial is technically, uh, you know, skillful, even, you know, probably but, blessed on that aspect. But look at Weghorst. That's my point right now is, are we trying to see, I mean, does it, does it explain our point? Uh, the way we really want to, my point really here is Anthony Martial embodies everything that the club was. Yeah. Right? Skillful? Yes. On his day, he can take on three or four defenders, score a goal, he can dazzle you, he can do all of those things. A weg host will not do anything of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and the impact Vegost has had, yeah, and the, and 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 the the you know the work that he puts in, I don't, I have not seen that with Martial exactly in and his entire span as a United. The biggest player. criticism of Anthony Martial has been he looks lazy. As fans, when we watch, anyway. you just look at him. I'm I'm sure it's not the case, but the perception is there, and you don't see Vegost stopping anywhere, and. There's no right and wrong. No. There's no uh, Martial brings a different dynamic to the team. Vegos is is something else. Yeah. But I think the kind of manager that Ten Hag is, the personality of Vegos, <laughs> he's that kind of a guy. He's like my manager asked me to run for. I'm going to do that for. He, he, and he's doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I think he he's only going to. I mean, he's going to find those goals somewhere. You know, the uh, when I watched all those players celebrate. The one that was so beautiful to see was Vegost, just yeah. you know, all by himself, looking at the fans and touching his frame. There's a story uh, that uh, he went out to the press conference, but he could not speak because he, he was in tears. He was emotional, and he just hugged yeah. Ten Hag yeah. and said thank you. And look, this is what it is, right? He was at B- Burnley, went out on loan to a Turkish club. Uh, now he's come to Manchester United, like it or not, Manchester United is still one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest clubs in the world. Not saying this because I'm a fan, but no, that is the reality. It is the reality. Yeah. He's come in, within a month he's won a trophy. Yeah. That is unbelievable. 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 Right? No, even if you go to see the impact that he's had or the yeah. contribution, the Leicester game, he played a big part in one of the goals. Yesterday he played a big part in the assist. Yeah. Rashford, which is, I think now, unfortunately, coined as an own goal. No, it's changed. It changed, isn't they it? Have changed it? They so have the changed FA it. So the FA have cleared uh, very late that. last night, but that I'm goal glad. has now been awarded to Rashford. So I'm glad, yeah. 25, yay! <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that, that he played a, he played a massive part in that. Yeah. Could have had a goal as well. Yeah. Uh, a good, you know, couple of decent save yeah. from Carriers. Yeah. But, you know, the way he just runs and he runs and he runs. He's a workhorse. I yeah. love him. I absolutely love him. Yep. No, no, for sure. I think I, I would really like to see him at the club next year. Yeah. Marcel Sabitzer. Uh, what I saw of him yesterday when he came on, I really liked it. I, liked it. I think it's taken him a couple of games uh, to get going. Yeah. But... Uh, I feel we've got a very good player in He's him. He's a good player, yeah. Uh, it's probably too early to speak of him, but yeah. my point really here with Ten Hag signings is, and this has been my complaint with Manchester United signings for the last, I don't know how many <laughs> years, is players have come in and they've either taken too long to find their feet 
or they've just never fulfilled their potential. Uh, and you, I can name countless players yeah. who fall in that bracket. Yeah. This year just seems like a different story. And I think that's one of the big reasons why United have done well. Uh, moving on to the next one. Before that, if I were to ask you one signing of that lot that has been a real standout for you, who do you pick? You know, I'm going to go for Licha because... I would I would love to say Casemiro, but we we knew what you're gonna get from you know from Casemiro. Well, I'm not saying it was a guarantee, yeah. But everyone knew what he's achieved. Yeah, Licha, what he when he came in, everything was stacked against him. The odds were stacked against him. I've already spoken about Jamie Carragher. What he said, there were everyone were like, can he do it? Can he do it? Can he do it? Amazing. Let's not forget he's won a World Cup in the he's mix. He's won a World Cup now in the mix and now his confidence we, really high. I don't disagree with you. And as a Jose fan that you are, let me tell you, uh, Avi and me have had countless arguments oh, yeah. over Jose. <laughs> like, I, I cannot even start. Uh, we, we could probably do a different conversation different on that. Conversation I think it would be a very good conversation for people to uh, just... Uh, Maybe uh, one day he'll hear that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I felt Jose was uh, his time at the club. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, whereas you are, and we've yeah. got our reason, but we're not yeah. going to get into that. Yeah. But I, I thought you'd say Martinez because you have this theory that Jose wanted a centre back, and he was never, he never really got yeah. one. But for me, Casemiro, yeah, because uh, I just feel like. Uh, and you can see it different ways. So I think this is actually in favor of Leicha to come from the Dutch league. That's one of the uh, things, yeah. That put and me then to boss it the way he exactly, has. Exactly. You probably say, but I just feel that Casemiro is absolute Rolls Royce. Uh, uh, of, course, uh, of course. And I think that he also brings in that mentality which was so lacking at the club for years. Uh, a winning mentality. Absolutely. I and agree. I think he's the kind of a player, even yesterday after the game, he's fighting with Bruno. He was, he was like, why didn't you Unbelievable. Those are the things <laughs> you know, that you love. And, uh, that's it. I think so. My no, pick I love him. I mean, yeah, my uh, pick would be Casemiro. The only reason why I've gone with Licha is what, you know, everything. He was he was an underdog when he came in. And that's absolutely. why that's the reason. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I think the next thing that I want to talk about, which I feel has been a big factor for Man United doing well this season, is. How vastly Ten Hag has improved the players that were at the club, and I cannot, I mean, I cannot remember a time where any manager, I think Louis Van Hal, credit where it's due. Of course, uh, I wouldn't say players vastly improved, but he gave a lot of the players that we see now the chance. He brought a lot of youngsters yeah, out. Rashi is one of my biggest complaints. I'm going to go back to Jose now. One of my biggest complaints of Jose Mourinho was. I think the club didn't back him because we really didn't see any of his signings of the players that were at the club improve, which I think Pep and Klopp mm. have done so well. Yeah. Uh, I think United would have happily given Mourinho what he wanted if he had to see the younger players uh, start to have that impact that we've always wanted to see. Uh, in fact, Jose wasn't. I mean, there's this one game that I remember where he benched Lukaku. Uh, was it all the striker? Was it Lukaku? It was Lukaku against. And then uh, he said, You ask me, Rashford, 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 and see what happens. 
I, I, I don't blame Joseph at that point in time, but I think mm. we were looking at a manager who would obviously bring players and the experience that we wanted. Yeah. But I almost feared that Rashford would not have been at the club if Jose stayed for a year or two because I felt it would have just I think, become... I think he, he, I think he likes Rashford. He, he always got along well with him. I, I'll tell you the ones who would have not been at the club. Martial would have not been at the club. Which probably is okay, yeah. I guess, now. Yeah. You like him, Pogba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is trying to get to a fun level now. So I like Pogba. In fact, I, I I would go to the extent of saying that I've not wanted any other player to succeed as much as Paul Pogba at the club. And that's purely because I felt that somebody has that talent. Pogba's I, I talent. I don't and doubt it. I will give it to you that Pogba was the most inconsistent player. But on a day, it almost felt like he had a switch. Amazing. He would yeah, yeah. switch it on and off when he doubt. wanted I, there's to. There's no way I can but ever... I would disagree with doubt. Mourinho calling him the virus and things like that. Because my argument to that always was and always will be that when he was at Juventus or when he goes to the French national team, you don't see that side to him. Uh, Jose might have seen something. Jose has got a side where he wants a certain style of play. And I think we're starting to see that in yeah. Ten Hag as well. Yeah. Ten Hag's not going to entertain any uh, player who doesn't fall into the profile or, you know, the team that he wants yeah. or the way he wants his yeah. team to play. And Jose was like that. But I felt my biggest uh, disappointment with Pogba is the skill that he had and he never did that. Although, let's not get into that. But yeah. this is where this whole point has come up. That Look at sure. the number of players that have improved. Absolutely. Yeah. This oh, 100%. Year. Yeah. Uh, if you had to pick one player that has improved vastly, who would your pick be? I mean, Rashford seems to be the Ra- obvious choice. Obviously, I, I, you're gonna we are gonna pick Rashford the, as the obvious choice, but and it's it would have been uh, you know uh, we all know that. But my pick is gonna be Luke Shaw. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't see that. Yeah. Answer coming because but... I really didn't think he had. I mean, he had. He, he yes, he did have. He didn't have the best of times in the past. He, he had gone through turmoil with his injury and for him to recover from that. Firstly, we've already spoken about that. His issues with Jose. Uh, he did well with Oli. Uh, he did all right. We had but, a bad year. I'm not a yeah, bad, bad year, year, but he fell off again from oh, his level he fell last off year. Again. But, and the start he had this yeah, year was yeah, again a concern. Yeah. Yeah. But what Eric has put in 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 you know, he's, he's given more responsibilities, responsibilities to Luke Shaw. When have we seen Luke Shaw take a set piece, a corner, or a long-range free kick? Not the close-range one, but a long-range. Yesterday was an example of that. He's given him that. And even in terms of even playing him as a centre-back, Eric is a guy, I think I've, he has made, he makes players feel 10 feet tall. And he did make Luke Shaw feel 10 feet tall. So... Mm-hmm. I would I mean, definitely go for we him. We also have to talk about Aaron Van Bissaka. Amazing, yeah. The way the he's come, that I just thought was done. I thought he was done. No. I, I actually, even when I saw him, sort of in uh, before the World Cup, he played a couple of games. I thought it was over. And whatever happens, man. Now next season, I think he's right. He is convinced. I don't know if he's convinced, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if he's convinced the gaffer, but he's convinced yep. us as fans that he, he he just put his head down, 
didn't complain, didn't moan about it, didn't go on with his agent and never heard a thing about him. Seven it's, tackles yesterday really? in 45 minutes. Yeah. The joint most, uh, I think, for a cup final. Yeah. I'm not very sure, yeah. but it, I think it was a cup final. And that was, I think, uh, Kante had uh, seven tackles yeah. in 120 minutes <laughs> in the 2019 final. And here you've got, and you just... You just feel like you always knew he's another of those players. And I think there's a common theme here now about what we are talking. Players who've always had the potential. That's why I'm saying the club has bought players. The club has always bought players that were skillful. And I think now we're starting to see that having a right coach. I use the word coach because we might not have had that. I think with Ralph Ragnick, again, you mentioned about this more of a director of football yeah. who sort of set the style of play and things as such. Scholzheim, again, there were these things that we heard about him not really uh, doing the training sessions for the team. Yeah. And, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Ten Hag has control of everything from yeah. the from the youth teams, the under twenty ones, to the under twenty yeah. threes, to the main team. The guy is doing everything. You know, right. I, I read an article where it's his own quote where he, he used to say that after training the first team, he would stay back and he would watch the under sixteens and the under twelves of Ajax play, and then he would go home. I read even Luke Shaw uh, said this in an interview recently that. He comes in at 7 in the morning and he goes back home at 9 at night or 10 o'clock at night. And the last manager, I'm assuming all the others would have definitely, I'm not questioning anything of their, yep. uh, of their um, you know, commitment, but Fergie was the same. Yep. Uh, Fergie was the same. He would be the first one to go come in and he would be the last one to leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, his image as... You know, Ten Hag's image, where even his assistant Van der Gaag had put put up that uh, quote that he said he's a real master of detail. His attention to detail is, you know, he wants to crack down on every nuance that is there. There's a story that has come out yesterday that uh, the players were supposed to wear their uh, Paul Smith suits for the final. And then he realized that right. uh, they'll take a long time to change and then get into their training kit, uh, you know, when they sort of come from the hotel to the to Wembley. And he just changed that. <laughs> and he also felt that their routine away game was the tracksuit. And he just wanted to treat this game as a routine away game and not be sort of blown away by the proportion of a cup final. Exactly. Especially for a team that's on one for five, that's six not years. One, yeah. You could have that. They've taken the train from Stockport to Wembley, stayed in probably a similar kind of a hotel where they would stay, treated it at 10 o'clock after the game. So the game was at 4.30 UK time, so probably the games got done by 7. The players would have had post-match interviews and things, maybe a, a beer or two in the yeah. changing room. And the there were videos of to, it, yeah, they yeah. were, they were. And the and... team's gone back to Manchester at 10 in the night, so they've not uh, done something. And that's what, that's, I'm just slightly trying to hint towards my next point is, one other factor that I feel is Ten Hag has this relentless pursuit, which you've already briefly spoken about, towards winning and taking this club back to the top, which... Uh, it would be stupid of us to say that the rest of the managers that, that were there haven't had that. Obviously, whoever's come in has would have wanted to win. There's no yeah, doubt in that. Though they actually did win. Uh, 
Louis Van Hal won that FA Cup uh, before he was uh, uh, sacked. Uh, but you just feel like every press conference that Ten Hag does after the game, the honesty, the modesty, the humble side of him that you see mm-hmm. is the manager that I want. And I'm going to sort of say something that people, Manchester United fans might not like. One of the reasons I never really liked Jose uh, beyond uh, an extent was Jose would always, the press conference would be about him or, you know, uh, it would be everything but what was wrong. Or, you know, if they've had a bad game, he wouldn't accept that. You look at Pep. One of the first press conferences of Pep, when Pep lost to Liverpool in that Champions League uh, quarter-final, the year that Liverpool went on to go to the final, but were beaten by Real Madrid, the game that had the uh, the whole thing between Ramos and uh, Mo Salah. The first thing that Pep did after that game at Anfield, where they had lost 3-1, is congratulate Klopp and Liverpool on that win. And I see that side in Ten Hag. Yeah, because even when we lost against City uh, at Itihad, uh, I can't exactly think uh, at the top of my head what was so he the said, quote. Thank you, for thank you, Pep, lesson. for teaching yeah. us uh, a lesson. But now we move on. Yeah, yeah. And look at that. Like just as recent as the Leicester game, where the first 30, 40 minutes we were really bad, he came out and said we were garbage. Yeah. I want a manager who comes out and does those things, yeah. who's not saying, uh, you know, trying to find, you know, fault and, you know, this was not right or, or you know, that it was not not right, tells me things as they are yeah. and moves the club forward. Because, I mean, that's probably my personality. I just sort of appreciate yeah, that of a course. bit more. Yeah. But even when we've done really well, he's like, okay, but we've got a game in three yeah. days, we've got a game yeah. in four days. Even even the Leicester game, the yeah. first half, he said, it. he, he used the word rubbish because he said it's, was not good yeah. and he always says this thing that sometimes good is not good enough yeah. but his personality just feels right to me Amazing. And his yeah. personality is is almost a personality that you needed at the club a club that has not done well for years yeah you wanted this strict stern direct guy speaking to somebody who i work with here uh who's uh, a sports journalist in the uae he reckons that one of the initial feedback from the Manchester United players about Ten Hag was he's too direct. He doesn't have that uh, personality that you see a Klopp or a Pep, you know, where they're sort of hugging their players and, you know, being that kind of uh, friendly or palsy, you know, like, you know, having those moments. With Ten Hag, you see those shake hands. Now you're starting to feel yeah. a little <laughs> bit more. And I understand that because Ten Hag is saying that I am stubborn. Yeah. But I want to take this club back. And I think when you're in a situation that Man United were, you almost need that guy. Yeah. And yeah. Ten Hag to me seems that guy. He's not going to take nonsense. And he's not taking nonsense from one of the world's best players, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. And that just sums him up. Yeah, because of course he's got, like we spoke about his non-negotiable values and principles. He's also got a human touch to it. But... Even Bruno spoke about this in an interview with Rio on BT Sport and he said, and he did tell him that uh, if you don't do as I say, you'll be out. Are you going to do it or not? He asked him. As simple as that. And Fergie was a bit like that. He was like that. He was like that. And uh, I want, that's how it should be. But Ten Hag looked incredibly... uh, 
well probably not the right word to use but as days have passed and as the results have fallen in our favor nobody i cannot recollect anybody saying this that if ten hag had to keep ronaldo this wouldn't have happened or that wouldn't have happened he's he's had a bit of luck i get that uh but it was the absolute right thing to do and i feel managers that we've had in the past might not have the spine to do that ten hag has said i've not won something here but i'm going to take on the best player in the world who the fans i mean fans used to still sing his name when he was still at the club because i think that love story between united and ronaldo was never going to end yeah. he, the way he's handled that yeah. that just talks about the yeah. personality even, that even is non negotiable non negotiable yeah of who he wants at the club or yeah. what profile he wants yeah. you might be a harry maguire who plays brilliantly for england cristiano ronaldo is a arguably the best player in the world or you could be a youth player coming from the academy you all get the same treatment yeah, he doesn't play them for the sake of playing you know and uh, with cristiano ronaldo i don't want to go too much into detail about him this is he brought this up all on him he could have been humble which he isn't uh, he but i mean that's what made him a great player also but all he could have done is you know let me end my time at united let me be this uh, springboard for the youth players ronaldo has never had that he's personality never, he's never had that i know he's never he, had ronaldo that. still chasing a lot of the accolades himself yeah uh, he was not and the worst thing that i felt he did in that interview some of the things he said were absolutely right about the training ground about the infrastructure yeah. i'm glad he said that yeah, he said that yeah But that was taking, not his agenda for for to give that interview. Taking a swipe at Wayne Rooney, that was pathetic. Pathetic. I mean, let me go on to say this: that his body shaming Rooney. Exactly. I mean, come on. It was. I think it was embarrassing. It was. It was a forgettable fact. It was a very disgusting way to put it. I think it was. It was embarrassing. Yep. And there were people laughing at him. <laughs> no one was laughing at Rooney. So I think that's that's third on the list for me. I think one of the reasons for United's success this season has been they've put a manager who's no nonsense, has that pursuit of winning, yeah. wants to win at all costs because that's what he talks about. Yeah, his letter to the fans oh, was touching, great, amazing. Touch. I'm glad you mentioned that, and that just sums it up. He said that we're back to training today. This is a glimpse of what we could do together. But we want your support because we want more days like this, and that's what you want to hear as a Manchester United fan. I'm going to take a dig at Mourinho. When he finished second, if a manager tells me that's the best thing we could have done or we did, I find that incredibly stupid for a Manchester United manager to say that. And to Jose, it means a lot. I absolutely get that. That there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we didn't know at that yeah. point in time. All of those things are done. But this is my complaint about why say it out. Yeah, I mean that's look. I mean what you are is what you are at the end of the day, and uh, yeah. that's probably made him, and that can pro- that probably does break him as well. This is what Jose is all about. Uh, even uh, of course, I, you know how much I do uh, adore him as a manager. But uh, even when we won in two thousand seventeen, when we won the Europa, yeah, uh, the Carling Cup, Carling Cup, which is Carling Cup at that time, I believe. Uh, yes, yes, I did enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not going to take it because it was Latin and it was, it was wonderful. The feeling was great. But this win, 
Yes, it's different. Yes, it hit different, man. It like, and I'm, I'm not. I, I have no issues in admitting there were tears of joy from my, from, yeah. from, from my end. And every time I see Ten Hag, it just gives me hope. And that's what I need hope. Yeah, I do get very emotional whenever I see him because he is, he is something. Uh, yeah. He's something. A couple other things that we're going to talk about very quickly because I think we've spoken a lot. Uh, is Old Trafford? I think last few years our record at Old Trafford, which was such a big factor to Fergie's success over yeah. the years, uh, that has just changed. The kind of defeats we've had at Old Trafford has been shocking. Uh, and we spoke about it at the start. But last year we lost the FA Cup to a championship side at, and was it at home? Did we lose to Middlesbrough at home? I think we did yeah. lose to them at yeah. home. Uh, those are the kind of things I'm talking about. This year, apart from that early defeat to Brighton, the first day of the league. Yeah, I think we lost one game at uh, the Europa at home. Yeah, but that was, I don't think that was a penalty. That was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it was not. It was, so, yeah. I'm not even going to, I mean, yeah, I'm, but statistically, statistically it is, yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Lost two, yeah. but I think Brighton, we were well beaten start of the year, but since then in the Premier League, uh, we had some big wins uh, at Old Trafford, but you just think that that's a big factor to his success that team's fearing to go to Old Trafford again yeah and not thinking that you know what maybe if we go to Old Trafford and score the first goal this team might not be able to come back or uh you know take the points from us and there's a chance that we might get a draw or we might even get a win if we score first that's no longer the case now mm. and that is such a big factor because historically and I don't unfortunately have the stats to back on this but I'm sure uh, there would be something to prove this is good teams that win Premier Leagues the home form is incredibly yeah. important uh, you cannot be dropping points, you at, can't home drop points at home and uh, expect to do well uh, especially now that no away game in the Premier League is an easy fixture yeah. that yeah. makes the home form incredibly important yeah. win well. your home games as much as you can and away games see what we can do so yeah. that's how it is yeah know. i think and just on the back of that i mean if you were to pick one game at old trafford that stands out oh manchester derby the manchester derby okay i think it was i think the awesome. barcelona game for me barcelona game yeah yeah it, it, it's it too difficult, difficult to separate the two but i mean both were comeback wins yeah two one two one uh of course beating city was amazing but beating Barcelona I was there at Harvesters just like yesterday uh, at the which is Harvesters is for the people listening is the official Manchester United uh, UAE fans uh, uh, fans bar so that night was amazing yeah. it was at, it was a midnight yeah. kickoff the reason amazing. that I choose Barcelona I say Barcelona as the win I'll tell you what even under Fergie, historically, United playing in Europe, we've always sat back, soaked in the pressure. Yeah. I mean, we've won some big games. The way United played against Barcelona, they never were faced by the fact that this is Barcelona. Yeah. And we have to soak in the pressure and we have to sort of let them play. I think we dictated the game. Yeah. Barcelona were incredibly lucky to even come to Old Trafford and have a sniff. I think the game was done at Camp Nou. It was done. It, was, it, it would have been I think realistically it should have been a 4-1 yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, if he had to take a couple of couple other chances, which 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 for me uh, felt pretty simple. Uh, but a goal down at Old Trafford, a penalty that in my eyes should not have been the case. The refs given it, so it stands. And to still not then be succumbed to that pressure no. and play your football yeah. is where I felt this is where United have truly turned the pitch. We always felt that you know there the, there was going to be a response. He didn't think twice yeah. because he started off with Vegost. Uh, it didn't work, unfortunately. Took him off, played Sancho. Within a couple of minutes, we got the equalizer through Fred. <laughs> And um, right foot in as well. Right foot in goal. So <laughs> you just don't know what, which, which, you yeah. know, yeah. which, what Fred you're going to get. But uh, yeah. Fred was amazing. Even yeah. at Camp Nou, he was the man of the match. I think even at Old Trafford, to me, he was the man of the match. Uh, he had Frankie in his pocket. So, yeah. He, and then to talk about that, the defensive record, and I know this might be stupid of me to talk because we still considered a lot of goals this year, but to look at it slightly differently, Six goals were considered at the Etihad against Man City. We considered four at Brentford. That takes away 10 goals from whatever we have considered this year. I just feel that it was always going to take take some time for us to build that back line and for people, for the players to get to know there's two new midfielders who sit in front of them. You've got a new centre-back pair, uh, centre pairing. Uh, uh, the goalkeeper's new to that and there's a whole difference in the system that now we play with as well. So that is always going to take time. But you've seen a lot more clean sheets. You've seen a lot more performances where United's back line has, has, hasn't considered soft goal. Like last year, or the years in the past, like the last few years, you just talk about soft goals. Like yeah. you could almost pin it down to a human, you know, human error. But they were hiding. There was a fear to play last time. Or last season, or maybe even probably before that, there was a fear to play. If everyone on that is has got unbelievable mentality, even Malaysia's mentality, whoever is amazing, in, has everyone has stepped in. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to be too harsh on Maguire, and there are there are some good things that I like about him, but probably if you sp- you speak about that defensive unit that we have, the only one who looks like a weak link and who only the one who looks a bit lost is Maguire. And Maguire is a brilliant player for England. He's done some good things for United. I still go on to say on record, Maguire plays that Europa final, we wouldn't have lost that game, I think. Yeah. I mean, people do forget the fact that under Solskjaer, we finished third and second in the yeah. two full seasons yeah. that he managed the club. Yeah. Harry Maguire was a big part of both those yeah. leagues. So, yeah, but uh, I, I think I think Maguire is going to go in the summer. Yeah, I think our problems lie much deeper than Harry Maguire. I mean, especially for the years that we've yeah, not, not won no something. Pro- so, yeah, he just, uh, it's no more a problem, he but he just style? can't be a first time, first yeah. team player. Yeah. Will he suit Ten Hag's style? Time will tell, or will Ten Hag want to cash in on him? Uh, that's a, that's a different story. But I think most Man United fans would wish him extremely well. Yeah. Uh, either way, if no, he's still not going to be one not. of those who's going to go out at, at him, I think he's done a lot of good yeah. things for the club. Yeah. I mean, that's really the points that I've got. Spoken about the signings, you've spoken how vastly players have improved. Uh, those two being really the factors that were so 
hugely uh, bad in a sense at Old Trafford and Manchester United. Spoken a bit about Ten Hag's personality and how that's playing to Manchester United's success this year. Uh, spoken a bit about Old Trafford and the defensive record. Is there anything that you see that could stall this progress that we are seeing under Ten Hag? One word. Glazers. <laughs> Places. Wouldn't have been complete <laughs> if without we don't having speak about a word name uh, put on this podcast. Yeah, they, are no. the, they are probably the biggest threat right now, as you can see it, because uh, they've got to go. Yeah, we uh, speaking about them would be a separate podcast. It would take all day. Yeah, uh, but uh, you're really trying to hint at the fact that Ten Hag needs to be backed. He has to be He's backed. Shown enough pedigree I within the so. first few yeah. months. It's not only about being backed. It's about he needs to be given full control of the club. I think football managers in the past at United have been backed. We've spent close to one billion, which is a shocking stat since the reign of Woodward uh, at United. But um, uh, it's about giving him that control of the football club right from the first team to the youth setup to everything he it's his philosophy that has to be the blueprint of the football club and we spoke about his personality he doesn't come across to me as somebody who just spend spend and spend no. on uh, or overspend on players because he himself has spoken about finding the right players He's and the right value on record yeah and i think football's gone now to a level where no manager cannot spend no there's no manager in the premier league that does not spend pep has spent Klopp does spend a lot. I think you're going to see Arsenal spending, provided their owners could support, you know, back them, because that's the only uh, thing that would stop them from doing it. But Arsenal have done some fantastic smart signings in January as well. I think you're going to see Liverpool spending a lot, uh, and they need that. Uh, Chelsea, let's not even start. Let's not even get there. Tottenham, I think, again would spend this summer. So if United don't spend. You want to again ask Ten Hag next year to really his his I mean second year is when you would want him to really compete at the top and you know based on what we've seen really put take United to that next level which would be really really close to where we should be. Um, if we don't back him, you're just saying that he has to then work miracles. Like he's doing now to an extent because you've got a thin squad, he doesn't have strength at every single position. I think the locks there that we've got, you know, players who've been who've, who've done well. We don't always have up and down here and there. Players are going to get injured, suspension. Uh, you're going to have dip in form, and you know all they of those things. Yeah, there could probably be a worry of this. The same lot. Uh, can they hold on to this momentum? Because yeah. we've seen uh, the critics probably would be like. Previous managers have had a great, yeah. a good first year. Yeah. Can the same lot go on to yeah. keep up with that mentality, keep up with that momentum? I don't even want to think about it. Yeah, I but think I think they, I think they will because Ten Hag is not going to take apps yeah. any nonsense. No, I mean, I'm saying I don't want to think about the fact that we still have Glazers at the club next year. I genuinely. That's my worry. Because how many so managers have they set up to fail? Yeah, I mean, let's just hope that the club gets sold uh, well in time before next yeah. summer, so Ten Hag has time to 
look at the players that he wants, has those funds available and somebody capable of pulling those signings out because that's been a challenge for us. And on that note, I think we're going to end this episode. If you're listening to this and if you're a football fan or a sports fan in general, we would love to do uh, content around cricket, uh, F1, uh, you know, a few sports. Uh, but if you're a fan and if you just want to come and have a chat with us, uh, we would really, really love that. I would personally absolutely love because my motive behind the Fan First podcast is purely to look at having fun, engaging conversations like we've had. Avi, thank you so much for being part of the first episode. Thank you so much, episode. bro. Thank you so much. Um, I know that we've been speaking about this for quite some time, like I said this at the start, but there's no better person for me to do this podcast Um you know, I think uh, it's it is always a joy, always a joy. Even the banters are a joy. <laughs> I think that may, maybe the next one needs to be a bit more banter. I think when we get to, uh, maybe we get to the IPL, maybe we have the Mumbai and the Chennai rivalry. There, there will be there. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be times when we're going to have a lot yeah, more fun. Yeah. But uh, great to me to start this speaking about Manchester United, a club, like I said, that's close to both of us. Yeah. Uh, once again, thank you. And uh, we really hope you enjoy listening to this and want to do more of it because uh, we would definitely want to keep doing this. So uh, thank you so much and goodbye.